Welcome everyone to the Extraordinary Games Podcast. Another week, another game. Today we're going to be talking about The Darkness. It's a fairly old game, came out back in 2007 on the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3. Uh, my co-host today is my old friend Greg. We actually worked at GameStop together through the through the years, so that was that was fun in a in a weird way cuz GameStop's not really very fun to work at, <laughs> especially now. Say what's up. Hey, um uh yeah, my condolences. You need to listen to my opinion about this game. I think Dave can testify. A uh, handful of hot takes I think I've had over the time we've known each other about games. Just a handful. Nothing <laughs> nothing too crazy. But honestly, like this game is a is it's it's notorious for hot takes. Yeah. Look at it. It's the darkness. It came back it came out back at the like launch of the 360. So a lot of games around that era are now they're starting to get like a good rep for what they are, but when they were released kind of didn't. And I think this is one of those games for a few reasons and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit so first question what are you currently playing what's what's your game library looking like um like 90 percent of a backlog because despite continuing to buy games i keep playing the same ones it's an awful curse <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i can uh, i can attest to that <laughs> but no um i mean i keep finding myself going back to elden ring uh i know we plan on talking about that at some point so looking forward oh, to when yeah. that eventually comes but uh i keep going back to elden ring um as far as multiplayer stuff goes i still pretty much play just final fantasy 14 uh, occasionally just random other steam stuff but yeah uh, that's pretty much the main two and believe it or not i've actually been dipping back into cyberpunk 2077 recently um, oh shit yeah we were uh the podcast that hasn't posted yet but we'll be posting um this weekend for those of you, it's gonna be a little bit out of order for those of you listening just so you know but uh i record i'm trying to record as many podcasts in one short time frame so i have a backlog for when the holidays really beat the crap out of me that's smart but if you go back and listen to the podcast that's going to be for capcom versus snk2 um steve and i actually talk about the same thing how we it's pretty much like everybody had hopped back into cyberpunk 2077 thanks to that good old and uh edge runners anime <laughs> that kind of revitalized everything and same thing with the the patch that came out right before that no yeah um no for me it was just kind of uh so i didn't really buy into the hype with cyberpunk you know i've never really been kind of about that like games get hyped up there's all these previews the the excitement and i've i've never really bought into it ever but I was just like, oh, Cyberpunk seems cool. CD Projekt Red's a pretty good developer, you know, Witcher and all that. So I didn't know anything about the game or what they promised as far as it, you know, what was going to be in it for features and all of that. So I bought the game on launch for my PS4, which a mistake given how it ran. But even still. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, um, you know, I had a PS4 Pro, so it wasn't the worst. But I mean, honestly, I I had fun with what I played. I just I shelved it because I knew there was going to PS5 or like be a PS5 version. I knew I was going to get a PS5 at some point, and I knew they were just going to update the hell out of it, like they did The Witcher Three. So it was always kind of one of those why play it now when I'm just going to come back and play it again later. I might as well just play it later in the first place. Especially since it's going to be the the better version of the game, and I kind of did the same thing. Um, there was a, a specific glitch that literally forced me to stop playing the game. Um, I had uh, completed a mission and the game told me to get into a car and I was like, sweet, where's the car? And I turned around and there's just like literally two NPCs 
sitting in midair with no car and no vehicle for me to actually get into. And the second I saw that, I was like, okay, looks like I'm waiting for the next gen version of this. <laughs> yeah. Turned it off and, uh, and just uninstalled it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going back to this thing until it's done or until they patch it or do something because I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'd spent 40 minutes fighting a boss character for that to happen. So I was like, I, I totally get it. <sighs> yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, that's awful. But I mean, like I had a lot of friends, well, not a lot, a handful that got cyberpunk when it came out and they loved the heck out of it. They played on PC, obviously, which explains a lot. Yeah. But, you know, I remember watching them play it like they'd stream it in Discord and all of that. And I think, yeah, this is, you know, I don't get why everyone's ripping on this game. Like, it seems fun. But, you know, then I found out about all the things CD Projekt Reddit promised, all the pre-release stuff. And, you know, it's like No Man's Sky. You, you get why there's the outrage, even if it does seem a bit ridiculous. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things where they definitely overpromised and way underdelivered. And again, um, when I was talking about this last week, I, the thing I said was they should not have released this on last gen consoles. Agree completely. They should have delayed it until the launch of the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. Uh, release the game, even if it wasn't in the like a perfect state, even if it was just a more playable version of the game and they would have gotten way less blowback. The problem is a majority of the people played it on an Xbox one or a PlayStation four and that hardware just could not handle it. So obviously you're going to get bad reviews of the game. If they're playing it on hardware that can like barely even allow the game to function. If you look at frame rate analysis of that game, it runs at like 20 frames per second. If you're in the city or if you're in any sort of like firefights, how the hell are you supposed to shoot anything when you're it's running at that crappy of a frame rate? So yeah, bad reviews, totally justified when it comes to that. Yeah. But now I feel like it's a it's an entirely different game. If you play the game now on a, a Series X or a PlayStation 5 or especially a PC with all the mods and stuff, you're getting an awesome experience. The problem is this game's not going to be remembered for that awesome experience. It's going to be remembered for the the launch that was so horrible that people essentially were sell like stores were selling the game for like 10 bucks yep. at some points. <laughs> so that's what's going to that's what's going to go down in history as. The funniest thing is I actually broke my uh my case for my Cyberpunk on Xbox. I was like cleaning a shelf and it fell off and it like broke the edge. And I'm like, crap, this is like a double disc game. There's not many of those on Xbox Series X or Xbox One. So I'm like, how am I going to replace this? So I go on eBay to order a replacement case for it was going to be like something like uh, 11 or 12 bucks to order a new copy of Cyberpunk through eBay was nine dollars so no it, was, it was actually cheaper for me to just buy the game again than to replace the case oh my god <laughs> that's ridiculous yeah i mean yeah i'm so out of the loop with stuff like that you know it's really funny i'm like we get into games but i'm when it comes to like the news and things like that i'm so out of touch it's insane but i had no idea things were that bad that's crazy yeah, if you go back and, and look at it, uh, the disappointment was real. And I was I was one of those people, I was like, I'm not going to buy into the hype with when it comes to the game. I'm going to not look at any sort of media or anything on it. I'm just going to get it when it comes out. I had it. I didn't even pre-order it. I just bought it once it launched. And I had, at the time, an Xbox um, One X. So I thought, oh, obviously, like it's the most powerful console out at the time. This is going to run perfect. And then the first scene where you're in a car and shooting at people, like there's a chase scene where you're in a car and there's like a truck next to you that you have to shoot. I was watching the frame rate skip so bad that it was hard for me to aim. 
And that's when I knew I'd made a grave mistake playing <laughs> the game. I was like, I did every, if every firefight's going to be like this, I'm not going to be able to play it. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, way better place now. I hope with future updates and patches that it, it won't ever erase how bad the launch was, but hopefully CD Projekt Red actually gets like the credit they deserve for actually putting out a good game, even if it wasn't perfect at launch. And I, I honestly understand why they did what they did. There are more Xbox Ones and PS4s in the wild than there were PS5s in Series Xs and with the hardware issues and things like that and getting, uh, getting chips. We knew that there was going to be a shortage, but still, they should have just released it for the, the Series X in the, the PS5 and called it a day. Yeah. It would have just been so much better. If they really wanted to do that same release, they should have just kept it PC, you know? Yeah, that's true. If they would have just released it on PC and said, like, hey, this is not going to be okay for the, the people with PS4s and Xboxes, like, we are sorry for for what we promised, it, it probably would have had some backlash, but not as much as it did. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, so now we're uh, through that. Um, let's get into talking about the darkness. Now, I did not pick the darkness. It's on a list of games that I have for games I would love to talk about. So I, for those of you that don't know, we have a, a pretty extensive list of games that we want to talk on this podcast. Some of them I personally picked. Some of them uh, were added by uh, the other co-hosts of the podcast. So this was on that list, and I had initially thrown it up there, but Greg was actually the one to pick it, and I was I was a little uh, pleasantly surprised by that. So why did you choose The Darkness to talk about? So this game, honestly, is one of the few games on the Xbox 360, that gen. For me, the 360, because that's just what I had for the majority of that console generation. For its time, I think it was a pretty, I don't want to say genre-busting, but it was definitely a unique FPS experience, and something I... No, like I looked up because I was curious, you know, getting ready to do this. When this game came out in comparison to Bioshock, Ooh, that was, it was a pretty close release, if I remember right. Because this came out earlier, like just before Bioshock came out, I want to say, right? Yeah, it came out by a couple of months. And, you know, I think it's something I, you know, I'll probably bring up later on, but I really do feel like this game would have probably been overall better received if Bioshock didn't come out a couple months after. And deservingly so take a lot of the things this game did like steal the thunder if that makes sense oh yeah absolutely it's like I, as i was uh going back and researching this this game uh for the show because it's been oh man i i don't think i played this game since about 2010 i want to say yeah that sounds about right yeah and i looked at the release date and i was like oh i know why this game isn't more remembered because if you think about it right so came out in June of 2007 for those of you that, that didn't know. And if you look later in the year, if you, you just take the timeline here, another very, very big game came out in later in 2007 that happened to be a first person shooter that actually wasn't even Bioshock. <laughs> and I'm surprised the game that came out didn't bury Bioshock. And that was Call of Duty Modern Warfare, like COD 4. Really? I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yeah, and guess what also came out in 2007? Only Halo 3. I mean... That was all the same year? That was all the same year, yes. All of those games... It was a... I think Mass Effect also came out that year. That's insane to think about. I'm actually going to double check that right now. I'm actually going to look up right now when Mass Effect came out because I'm pretty sure it was a little bit... 
before the the big holiday rush. Yeah, came out in November 20th of 2007. So Halo 3 came out. Why isn't it not showing up? I think that you'd figure that'd be like the first thing. I think the darkness was June. Bioshock was August. <laughs> okay, darkness was June. Bioshock was August. September was Halo. Call of Duty, I want to say, was early November or or uh, late October. That sounds right because Call of Duty's always tried to keep that late October, early November release date every single year. November 5th of 2007. So I'm going to go on record and say that 2007 might have been the best year for gaming I've ever seen. <laughs> One of, yeah. Especially for first person games. Like, wow, that's a stacked lineup. It is a very stacked lineup. And I distinctly remember uh, playing Halo 3. And then um, just as like the Halo 3 trend was starting to dip down, Call of Duty came out and I started playing Call of Duty. And then for like the following year, all I did was play Halo 3 and Call of Duty. Like they were on rotation. I probably clocked in in the course of a year, easily like 45, 46 hours of just multiplayer playtime in Call of Duty. And, and that was a game that had like no updates and one map pack. But that game was just so good. Yep. You had that, you had Bioshock and you had Halo all at the same fucking time man if, if you had like nothing to do that holiday season like that's what you were doing you were playing one of those three games yeah no wow that's well putting it all into perspective like that i think it even remains shocking that i can even remember this game <laughs> right like given the lineup that preceded it like this is why the darkness got buried and what's funny too is i have like a a list of like stuff that like a pros and cons list essentially uh, of what i liked and disliked about the darkness and there's a lot of cool shit that they did in this game a lot of it that would come back in later first person shooters but again you wouldn't even know it because given when this game was released in the middle of the year 2007 when the anticipation for these these other big titles were coming like that's why that's why nobody saw what this like how special this game was no yeah that's i'm honestly still recovering like from like the mind blow of (laughs) how storied that year was for first person games like that's wow oh my god yeah and it it, it's funny because it's not even first person games it's it's all games um there's so many different if you were to look up the release dates for other games um that were huge during the 360 lifespan it pretty much peaked in 2007 2008 like they were releasing games left right and center that were doing like the craziest stuff because you have to think at that point the 360 had been out since 2005 um like the late 2005 i believe is when the 360 launched and that first year didn't really have a whole lot. Even the second year wasn't really anything great. Um, you had like your Oblivion. Um, Call of Duty 3 came out, but it wasn't as good as Call of Duty 2 was. So, yep. so it kind of got like buried a little bit. But then like you had Gears of War come out and that's when everything else started to ramp up because I think it was at the end of 2006 when the first Gears launched. And it kind of opened the floodgates to like all these real triple A games coming into the market. And it wasn't just 360 either. You also had uh, Uncharted and stuff coming out on PlayStation 3. And oh man, there was at least one or two other games that were kind of huge. I want to say it was one of the Ratchet and Clank games came out at the same time. And it was one of those games where if you saw it in action, you're like, I cannot believe that consoles are putting out this 
kind of fidelity in a video game. So the 2007, 2008, like those two years were really crazy with um, the release of quality games over that, like that little bit of the generation. I think that this will be a good, um, a good topic, I think, to come back to give it its own episode, I think. Oh yeah, 100%. Because there's a lot to bite into. Now that you've said all of this, you've really got my brain going and I'm like, wow, yeah, this <laughs> that was a crazy couple of years for gaming. Yeah. It was insane. So it makes sense though why this game was kind of buried, which is unfortunate because like the developer of this game, Starbreeze, went on to do some crazy stuff because Starbreeze eventually pretty much turned into Machine Games. Uh, which now does like all the Wolfenstein series, which is weird to think about. But back then, I think the only other real game that got popularity from the studio that made the darkness was Chronicles of Riddick, which is also a game I completely forgot about until I, I saw the name Starbreeze. And I was like, oh yeah, they did that amazing Riddick game, which was probably one of the best movie-based games that was ever released. The Riddick game that was actually bigger than the actual Riddick movie. And uh, I have that game on PS3. Though it's like the combo pack of uh, the Chronicles of Riddick, uh, Escape from Butcher Bay, and um, I forgot what the sequel they kind of put out for it was. It, but it's both games in one, and that game's absolutely incredible. If if anybody wants to see um, how far the Xbox, the original Xbox, can be pushed, go look up a YouTube video of the Chronicles of Riddick. It it's probably the best looking game on that console. There are very few games that even come close to looking as good as that game does. And that's the same studio that did the darkness. And you can kind of tell with that kind of like a, that history that that studio has, because if you boot up the darkness now, it actually looks besides the fact that it's like got that, it's got like a super clean look. Like there's not a lot of minute detail. I would say the graphics in this game are, are pretty spectacular overall. Yeah, no, um, so, you know, I didn't have a way to play it like you did to kind of refresh the memory, but I was just watching some videos and the lighting in the environments for the darkness, insane. It's absolutely insane because not only is the lighting just something that they, like, it's part of the game, like the, the game is very dark, but uh, they do an excellent job with whatever lighting engine they're using. But on top of that, the lights actually play like a huge part in the gameplay. And the fact that they the lights look as good as they do, and yet you can interact with them because you actually have to... You, it, we'll get into it probably later when we talk more about the gameplay stuff. But you can actually... You have to take out lights to increase the amount of darkness around you. So every light ha is essentially like a, a real-time light that can be interacted with. And for the era that this is, like that was just starting to kind of take off. Like it happened a little bit with Splinter Cell and you would see it a little bit here and there in other games. But this game really used it to, to great effect and actually integrate it into like the, the gameplay itself of the game, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, that's one of the real things that really was sticking out to me was that, um, you know, the actual character models themselves, they've got that mid 2000s uncanny valley look to them the unnatural smoothness, the not so fully animated faces and motion and stuff like that. Yeah. It's got that. Uh, I call it the, the like sheen yeah. of the early, uh, the early 360 gen where, oh man, it's notorious. If you look at something like perfect dark uh, zero, it, it's just like everything kind of looks like a doll. Yep. That's a great way to put it. Even, yeah. And even though perfect dark zero was cell shaded, that kind of happened with like a lot of other games too. It was very rare where you would look at a character model 
and think like, oh, this looks real. It always looked almost like a, a porcelain doll. So I get what you're talking about there. Oh man, so I honestly think uh, besides the, the character models and the graphics overall, uh, what did you think about the hub world of the game? Like how you're you're constantly going back and forth to that little like ta- like city area. So this is gonna I've got a I've got a weird kind of mix about it. I think it is a perfect representation of what it's like to navigate a city in real life because after a certain point everything feels the same and you get lost. And I would actually find myself <laughs> like remembering landmarks and looking at the street signs and like the subway signs to like make sure, yep, no, this is where I need to go. So let's actually navigate this like I'm a real person walking in a real city. <laughs> so, you know, it w- it was kind of confusing. Everything felt samey, but I feel like that's the point. It's supposed to be like a, a real world city. You walk around a city that you don't live in, you feel that way. Yeah, it, it, they do a great job of, of making it feel like it's it's... Like kind of like a real place. They have actual NPCs and stuff, which are around this time wasn't really a thing that a lot of first-person shooters did. So that that made also the world feel a little bit more uh, more lived in. And every like you didn't have um, what I call the oblivion effect either, where everybody had the same exact voice. I think there was enough variety where it, it seemed a lot more like they they put a lot more work into the NPCs in this game than they probably had to considering it's just, again, 90% of the time you're walking around just mowing people down, you know? And kind of piggybacking off of that too. This is one of the first, especially shooting games that I can think of where there were side quests essentially. Oh yeah. I actually forgot about that. Like you actually could do literal side quests in this game. I don't know what you got yeah. for doing them, though. I don't remember what was the point was completing them, but I remember actually like coming across a few while I played. You know, it's funny you've said that because now that you said you don't remember, I just tried to remember, and I don't either. I really <laughs> think you just did them for the sake of just having more game to play. As weird as that sounds, yeah, especially nowadays. Like, it, I'm sh- there might have been like an achievement or something associated with it, but I remember just doing the side quest because like I, I found. I found the world so interesting that I, I kind of wanted to just like do more of it. If that makes any sense. Um, oh yeah. hundred percent. And, and it's strange to think about that now. Cause I feel like, I feel like with the achievements and the state of gaming now with like live services and stuff, you, you're kind of programmed that like side quest give you thing. Not necessarily just doing side quests for the sake of doing them and getting some extra story out of it. A very rare and forgotten thing in most games nowadays. Yeah. Just playing the game because you want to play it because you're enjoying it, not because it's like that. What's the word or phrase? Skinner's box? Yeah. I think this comes from an era where they were really trying to like spread their wings and figure out like what gaming was going to be in the future. Like what, what people would want to play dipping their toe in the pond of like an open world led them to doing these side quests in the game just to see like what to see pretty much if people would do them, if they put them in there. And I'm pretty sure like a lot of people are like you and I, where they would just do the side quests because, Hey, it's, it's more game, you know, it's giving you a little bit of extra, extra replay value. If that makes sense. Yeah. And then, you know, back then when all we really had going for, you know, maybe the rewards you'd get, would just be like the achievement popping up you know back then and it seems weird to say back then it makes it seem like we're fucking 50 (laughs) (laughs) 
but just having that like oh like you found like the side quest like this like random i think there was one about like an old woman who like lost her wedding ring or something if i'm like somehow pulling that out of the depths of my memory correctly i i think you're right i think i i, va- I definitely remember a quest with an old woman i remember a quest with an old woman uh a quest for like a homeless guy and there was one more quest that I like, I can't remember. There are at least like a couple of them, but I distinctly remember the old woman one. I just can't remember what you actually did in it. You know, and it's like you do them and like, I don't remember if you do get an achievement, but it's just for the sake of the example. You know, you find that, you know, you do it, you get the little ding, the trophy <laughs> achievement, whatever you want, it pops up. And that in and of itself was enough of a reward, as weird as that sounds, because, you know, we're kind of in a... Knowing more about a game and what's in it and what you can get out of the game is a lot more accessible than it was even going to like 2007. Like, yeah, the internet was a thing and all of that, but like you didn't have like Reddit or YouTube blowing up easy ways for anyone and their mom to record their gameplay or their experiences, places like Reddit to share these things and other online boards and all of that to really get all this stuff out of there. It's definitely, it was definitely a different time. Obviously, the internet was was around back in 2007, but it definitely wasn't as uh, prevalent as it is now. It's not like, like you said, you, you can't just like look up a YouTube video for it back in the day. And if you did find a YouTube video of it, because it's because somebody was like holding up their camcorder to a television set, it was the shittiest quality. Not it's most of the reason why probably nobody looked stuff up any back then, and it was just easier to read like paper guides. Like the amount of game facts guides that I looked up for video games back then was insane. It really was. Yeah, that was the main way. If you were stumped or you just wanted to walk through, that's how it was. Go to Game Facts, find the highest rated one, and print it out, or just scroll through it. Most likely yeah. on your laptop because smartphones weren't really a thing back then. <laughs> <laughs> that that's true and the amount of ink that you would waste would be absolutely incredible like <laughs> it did it, it was <laughs> it was definitely a weird time to to be a gamer if you were looking for anything outside of like the main games because most of these games had like the, the main story you could just power through but if you were looking for anything extra or any secrets or anything like that game facts was the go-to place for it and there was definitely not video guides on there because i remember because i used to write a bunch of guys there are probably guides for buffy the vampire slayer and a few other games on game facts that i wrote back in the day still floating around oh i 100 percent believe that i don't think anything on that's ever been taken down or archived if you wrote something you wrote a guide in like 2006 it's probably still there oh yeah yeah it, it's it i it's like you're talking about literally like kilobytes of data so <laughs> they have no yeah. reason to take it down there's it's not taking up any real space but that's the way it was it's it's weird because like you said it sounds like we're ancient right now and the amount of times i get i get called like the old guy at work when i'm talking about this stuff i think i was talking about like a pokemon uh what my first pokemon gen was and i was like oh gen one this is red and blue and then i uh then some pikachu surf man pokemon yellow people are like <laughs> seriously I'm like yeah i was in middle school when that came out that's what i played yeah gaming's kind of one of those things where it really feels like you kind of get it feels like so much has happened when in reality it's been only like 15 years maybe but again it's the it's the crazy amount of advancements that have have gone on in those in that even though it's like a, a fairly long time it's it's relatively short what's even crazier to think about though is if you're looking at like if you think of 15 years from when like the original nintendo came out 
to when like the PlayStation, it was essentially the PlayStation two launching about 15 years later. That's a huge jump in technology. And then when you think about like the PlayStation two to what we have now, to me, that doesn't seem like a, a huge jump, but to other people, it's like that Nintendo to original, like to PlayStation two jump. You know what I'm saying? It's like oh, the wow. older you get, the less of a, the less of a leap it seems when it comes to the later generations, because we were dealing with like 2d sprites all the way up to like a huge three. I remember like, think about this for the people that aren't kind of grasping what I'm talking about. Think about the original Mario on Nintendo. And then I want to say it was probably like 16 years after that we got metal gear solid two. Yeah. And just compare those two games side by side. That's a huge jump. But if you compare Metal Gear Solid, like, well, if, if you're even comparing this, like, compare the darkness. If you if you want to look it up, there's going to be footage on YouTube because I'm going to post this on YouTube later. Look at the darkness and then look at what we have now in something like Modern Warfare 2. Like, the the Modern Warfare 2 that came out this year. God damn, they, they need a better naming cycle for, for that <laughs> fucking game. Yeah, that's a whole can of worms. Yeah, but, like, yes, it's a jump, but it's not Mario to like solid snake metal gear solid 2 jump that's what i'm trying to explain but with that being said even though graphically these games haven't made a huge leap in my mind gameplay wise is a totally different story yeah that's the big one yeah which is why we're talking about the darkness because a lot of the weird things that seem weird in the darkness or seemed weird to us when we played the darkness 15 years ago are far less weird now if you say first person shooter with or even shooter with a semi-open world hub area that i'm they're a fucking dime a dozen now like even later in the year that this game came out you had bioshock which is essentially like a giant open world yeah it just was separated by loading screens but these were new ideas back when the darkness came out it was weird to think about so kind of going off of that now that you brought it up um, again, because this is just for me revisiting some videos and stuff like that. This is the first game I can think of when I try to, you know, recall all the gaming I've done over the years, where just I actually have a little checklist typed up, so I'm just going to kind of go through it. Go for it. Minimalist HUD for the game. Huh. I never thought about that. <laughs> you had, like, no HUD at any time, and even then, when Firefight started, you just had maybe that one little simple white indicator of, here's your guns, here's your ammo. But it would fade away just as quickly as it would come up on screen from you fighting. So most of your time when you're just walking around and exploring, aside from just your, you know, your context sensitives, press A to have the darkness eat someone's heart. Uh, that really sounds like I'm talking about Kingdom Hearts <laughs> <laughs> now that I've said that. But like aside from those little pop-ups, you were looking at a just the game. No health bar, no armor, no constant ammo indicators, or like the little icon showing you what gun you have equipped. None of that just the game and then on top of that there was context sensitive like action and movement so like what i mean by that is you know if you walked right up if you had the guns out right because i remember like dual wielding pistols was like your basic weapon in that game oh yeah it was if you had the guns out and you walked up against a wall your character jackie he'd actually put his arms up hold the guns up like facing against the wall because you can't point the guns at the wall if you're right up in front of it right so Fun fact, I'm going to interject really quickly. Did you Do you know why that, that was? Do you know why that actually occurred? No. Um, so 
they uh, so if you think of first person shooters most of the time they will not model the character model they won't do it um yep. because it's a waste of resources the waste it's it's essentially just like a waste of energy for the console to have to to produce that character model um starbreeze always modeled their character models i was going to bring that up yeah they actually made the game kind of in like almost like a third person and then just moved the camera into the character's head so the good thing about that is when it came to things like clipping, it, it essentially when they could see it in third person, so they could then model it correctly in first person, which is why the arms will always move up because they're actually trying to eliminate how goofy it would look if for some reason you would play the game in third person. It, it just made it look cleaner if the character's arms weren't going directly through a wall, which is why he pulls them up. Exactly. No, yeah, and so, like, going off of what you just said, you know, being able to look down, seeing Jackie's full, I guess, you know, should say Jackie main character, to clarify, you know, looking down, you see his outfit, his legs, you can look down and watch your legs move. You know, not a lot of games did that. I can think of what? Halo? Yeah, yeah, the the jankiness of looking down at uh, Master Chief's legs while you were strafing was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, um, but there was that, and, you know, like you brought up, it's because he was an actual model not just a floating pair of hands holding a gun. And not even, aside from just like when you go up against the wall, but like if you were behind a piece of cover, you know, Jackie's arms would move up and to the side or over so you could keep firing while also behind cover. And then there was no buttons you press. This just all happened from you getting close to objects in the environment. And like you said, the model reacting because it was just developed that way. Yeah, it's... uh. Like I said, this came out around the same time as Mass Effect. Um, so think about playing the original Mass Effect and how the cover system works there versus this and how much jankier the Mass Effect cover system is with having to, like... I, I believe you have to, like, hit A or something to, like, lock your character to it. It's uh, it, it's a good thing in theory because it means you're not accidentally going to lock yourself to a wall. But in this game, the, the context sensitivity of all these actions actually works really really well and i think this game actually needed something like that because later when we talk about the controls the controls for this game aren't aren't exactly the best but uh i'll, I'll leave that for a little bit later in the discussion when we talk about the the stuff that isn't so hot yeah and then just like a couple last things you know sort of building off all of this is just like you know going back to that core point of the fact that you know jackie is a model in the game world and interacts with things being able to walk up to the mirrors and see him in it and toggling the darkness on and off and seeing it with that push of the button, you know, being normal Jackie Estacado to the, the glowing eyes, the darkness coming out over your shoulders, being able to just watch that happen in real time in the mirror reflection is, I don't know, that's really cool to me. And games still don't do things like that. Oh, no, absolutely not. Which is weird because now we have like ray tracing and all this crazy shit. But unless a game has ray tracing, they're not going to model uh, mirrors. Even in games like, um, oh, man, I was trying to think. I was just playing a game recently that I was like, why isn't the mirror reflective at all? I want to say it was something like uh, Resident Evil 7 or something like that. And I get it. It's because they don't want to show the character's face. But I also think that's just it was just kind of a cheap way to save on like having to essentially program in mirrors to the game. Yep. And um, other games did have mirrors in it. 
But like, let's say like Doom Three, which came out a few years before this did, had mirrors. But this game was the first one that I remember where if you did toggle on your power, it actually showed it in the mirror, and it was so badass. You could see like Jackie with his fucking glowing eyes and the darkness shoot out of him, and you could turn it on and off and like see it happen in real time. You're right that that was pretty cool, and that just adds to like the amount of detail that they added into the world like the the fact that they have um mirrors that you can see your character in they also had television shows like you can sit down and like watch full television shows in movies uh like max Payne. like if you're anybody remembers playing max Payne, that was the same thing they had like weird television shows and movies on the tvs that you could watch they did the same thing here the different npcs like all this stuff just adds to how like lived in the world feels in this game. And it, it's just the level of detail that this game has when it comes to that stuff was not around at this time. This is definitely one of the first games to really put in this much effort. Yeah. To include a specific example of what you just said, I'm pretty sure really early on, um, like right after the tutorial, you go to Jackie's girlfriend's house and she's like, Oh, Hey, like let's hang out. and like, let's watch a movie. You can literally just sit on the couch in game. And watch in its entirety the film version of To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Yeah. You can. <laughs> that's it's that's so, like what? Like it's that's insane. So weird to think about. But yeah, that's like a crazy just a, a crazy thing that's in the game. And it's not the only movie that's in the game. There are other televisions like televisions that are on that you can come across and just sit there and just watch it. And they're all playing. I don't think they're all playing different things, but there's at least three or four different um, movies that will play on the televisions. A lot of them, they kind of. They, it's funny because they're in places where you have firefights, so the TV usually doesn't survive. Um, but if it does, you can just sit there and watch it. It's nuts. Yeah, no, that's one of the things that really sticks out to me, and it's such a minor thing. But like, what other game can you think of? Where it's like, nope, you can sit down and watch an actual real-world movie in your video game. Yeah. Like I said, the only other one I can think of specifically is Max Payne. And those weren't even full movies. Those were just little snippets of like fake television shows. Um, <laughs> but that is... Yeah, the, very rock star. Yeah, very rock star. But that's the only thing I can really think of that's similar to it. And obviously you have stuff like like Grand Theft Auto 4 and 5 have a lot of like crazy things that you can do on the side but that's again it's a whole different like world compared to something like this uh those the Rockstar games are just always going to be on a, another level there's that difference of like you know a game like GTA 4 or 5 you know when you're watching TV in those games it's like it's fic- it's fictitious stuff based on real things but Rockstar's making it yeah Whereas the darkness, it's literally like, no, this is like a real movie you probably watched when you were a kid in <laughs> elementary school. Yep. And it's just in this game in its entirety, and you can sit down and watch it. Like, the fact that it's a real-world thing somehow just makes it all the more bizarre and fantastic, but I love it. I, I think it's incredible. Yeah, it, it really is pretty cool. Hmm. All right, so we talked a lot about the, the, the nitty-gritty details of the world and what we haven't actually talked about at all yet so far we've only mentioned the main character's name and his girlfriend like once but the story to this game um which is based on a comic is actually really fucking good for especially for a first person shooter 
Like if if you go back in, in the day, like again, this is pre Bioshock. Remember, Bioshock came out six months later. This is probably one of the best stories in a first person shooter game than I can remember. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that's another big reason why I wanted to talk about this because this game's story sticks out to me for that exact reason. You don't find narratives this engaging in most first-person shooters. Oh, no. Unless it's like Bioshock. Yeah, this game, and like I said, this game came out months before Bioshock, and it did draw a lot from the, the comic that it's based off of, but the fact that, like, you're, again, taking something that's like a comic book series and condensing it down into, like, an 8- to 10-hour game, but doing it in such a way where you don't feel like you're missing out on some story somewhere along the line is really absolutely incredible to me. Like, I feel like when I play The Darkness, if I'm playing it from start to finish, I'm getting a full, complete story. Yeah, it might not finish Jackie's entire, like, everything that's going on with him in The Darkness, but when you finish the game, you don't feel like you got gypped somewhere along the line and that they're just teasing a darkness too. Like you feel like this is a complete game from start to finish. Yeah, no, that's a great way to put it, especially because I think the story they told in the game just kind of adapts and tweaks the story that happens in the comics. And it exists almost in its own continuity from my understanding, which I think is great. That's how it really should be done with when you're converting something from another media into a video game. Yeah, uh, they, they did an excellent job of just not just taking the story from the comics, adap- adapting it to a game and calling it a day. And obviously, they were probably planning on doing some sort of uh, of sequel to this if it were to do well. But the fact that they didn't go out of their way to to cut back content on this game so that way they could pitch a second game is what really makes it like really makes it feel like you got your money's worth out of it. Because they easily yep. could have done like a lot of games at the time and just essentially ended it like, well, this is the end of this storyline. Wait for the second game to finish it. And there is a second game to this, but it's it's way, it's like a whole different thing than what, what this original is. And that game is. actually does what we're complaining about and ends on a very obvious cliffhanger to set up a sequel that never came. Yeah, they, the sequel to this game, for for those of you that want to play it, um it's if you've played darkness one it's like oh there's a darkness too sweet i should play that just do yourself a favor don't going go into it with the same expectations that you would going into a sequel for this specific game think of it as a completely different uh offshoot because everything in that game is different the combat is different besides the characters the entire game like plays different it feels different um there is kind of a hub world but it's not as explorable as this one is there are like different quests but whereas this game those quests feel very natural the sequel it feels very much like this is a quest this is a side quest yep you're doing this for reward they do not the whole game feels like that it feels video yeah and i know that's a really weird thing to say but you know what i mean when i say that yeah it it does feel way more video gamey and this game just doesn't like when you play this game the there are a few things here and there that take you out of the experience um the main one being the loading screens and i feel like they did a they tried really hard to make the loading screens not feel just like loading screens because there's like the main character jackie will actually talk during the loading screens and 
you know, like essentially like do like mini narrations, but they're still loading screens. And if you're playing this on the original hardware, holy shit, are those loading screens long? They will, they will like, oh man, you'll, you'll pull out your phone instantly and start like looking at shit to do because you're going to be waiting at probably like 30 to 45 seconds per loading <laughs> screen. So kind of going back to the story, I mean, can I safely assume, uh, Spoiler gloves are off. We can go. We can. Swing. Oh yeah, absolutely. This game's fifteen years old. <laughs> I just. I gotta make sure. I gotta. Make this sure. this thing game can like pretty much get its learner's permit next year. So I think we're we're okay. We can <laughs> we can do spoilers. So you kind of just really get thrown right into the thick of it, from what I was remembering and what I watched, is you don't get no big exposition as to the who and the how and the what and the why. It's just. Bam, your mafia guy, job's gone wrong. Your uncle's putting a hit on you. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and it's just that you're you're thrown right into it. Um, so like you're immediately here's your setup. Here's the who, the what, the where, the when, the why. Very shortly, but also kind of out of nowhere, aside from a few of the really ominous things that the darkness says to you before you actually get its powers. Um, just kind of like a brief side tangent. When you get its powers and you just you're kind of put into that automatic cutscene of like the darkness going ape wild, something I caught in that first scene is it's showcasing every single power that you will eventually get. And I think that's super cool. Which honestly, I never noticed it when I first played the game, but I didn't notice it when um I was watching a video before we did this podcast where it, you literally see everything. You see there are four different powers that the darkness has and they're all like essentially shown at once and it's just fucking mayhem. It's so wonderful. Uh, we'll talk about the powers later because like I want you to imagine the scene once once we get there. But just know like this game right off the bat does show you how much of a badass you're going to be, even if you're just starting the game and you aren't that fucking awesome yet. You know? Yeah. The I'm I'm a big fan of the even though you could some people can say it's overdone, but I'm a big fan of the see what you'll become. Yeah. Versus what you're starting as. I genuinely, I love that almost every time it's in a game. But getting back into the actual narrative, you know, for me, the narrative of the game doesn't really start to hit heavy. And it kind of plays how you'd expect. But I think the real shocker comes when, you know, you, if you've played enough video games, you're thinking it's going to be a hero's journey, right? You think everything's going to go in your favor. It might be a little dramatic, you know, but it, at the end of the day, good triumphs. There are the hero triumphs. And you get to that point when uh, Polly, the antagonist, has Jackie's girlfriend. And it's like, okay, I'm going to be the hero. And then the darkness literally takes control away from you and makes you watch Polly blow her brains out. Yeah, I remember that. that that's like a huge moment. And I remember, I remember experiencing that and being like, wow, that really just happened. I just watched this happen. I'm thinking I'm going to come in here, raise hell, and I'm going to fucking save the day. Maybe there'll be consequences because she's going to see that Jackie's a <laughs> fucking monster. But no, you lose in that moment. And the game gets very real because shortly after all that happens, Jackie blows his own brains out. Yep. And I remember just kind of sitting back in my chair and being like, wow. Like, this was a pretty raw experience for 2007. It's an experience that you wouldn't get now it's the same reason why i'm like i'm i'm uh 
not put off by the fact that they're uh, remaking Silent Hill 2, but like I don't have a whole lot of faith that that game's going to go well because there are only a handful of games that have that kind of reality in them where it's, again, touching on things like suicide and loss and like in Silent Hill 2, there's, there's some really dark shit in that game. And that's not something that you ever see nowadays. Like the games nowadays, yeah, they'll do a lot of like war based things. And, you know, um, like if you look at like Modern Warfare, the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, the original, not the one when they had like the plane scene, um, the airport scene where they would go and like mow people down. It was, but those. Yeah, no Russian. Yeah, but those scenes are way more for like shock value, where I feel like this scene in particular was one of shock value mixed with like they want you as the player to be motivated like they they want to show you like how you have lost everything and how much like you should be trying to get it back and i think it's a really real thing (laughs) really real (laughs) but for for jackie's despair and in that moment to give in yeah and end his own life over what happens you know, yeah, you could maybe argue it's cliche, but I think it's a real it's a real reaction that a character who had everything going against him and like the one thing that gave him happiness and hope was taken away from him. It, like that's what he does in that moment when he ends his own life, or tried to at least. You know, get back we'll get to that in a second. You know, that that's that's real. Like that's some real shit. Yeah. And, and like I said, you don't get that. You like, don't get that in, in games and like especially anymore, but um, at the time, that wasn't a thing that happened. And to really quickly interject about something, I want some of you folks that are listening to this, uh, for the like three people that are going to be, um, go back and <laughs> like watch some of the video reviews or read some reviews about this game. This game got pretty like lambasted when it came to uh, when it came out for like its presentation in some respects in the gameplay. But almost none of them talk about how good the story is for it, which is really mind blowing because the story to me is the most memorable thing about this game. It's the story and it's the cool powers that you got. Those are the things I remember when I was going back and making notes for this podcast. Like there are a handful of cons that the game has. that I'm just like, oh, you know, this wasn't great or this could have been better. But the list of pros, story, and the the darkness powers are literally at the top of the list. So it frustrates me that this game will never have, in my opinion, the score it deserves because it just got bashed on presentation for the most part. And, you know, kind of funny thing to bring up because we're saying, you know, games nowadays wouldn't really do this. And this actually kind of loops back to our earlier, I guess, pre-darkness talk a bit. Cyberpunk 2077 is probably the only other game I can think of that has these this raw, realistic reaction to shit going wrong. The, I won't get into it for the sake of Cyberpunk because that's actually a newer game. There's very similar, very dark themes of you know suicide and hopelessness and all of that that prevail in some of Cyberpunk's endings. Yeah. So kind of just i don't know fun thing to bring up that kind of ties it all together i guess in yeah a way. for 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 those of you that haven't played cyberpunk for bad reviews or whatnot definitely play that game if you're interested in, in a story and if you honestly start playing the game and you want more of that 
watch the anime. They go fairly hand in hand and they do an excellent job of setting a tone for the feeling of like, like you said, it's almost hopelessness. It's like if you're playing cyberpunk, the game does a very good job of making you feel like you are at the bottom of the barrel most of the time and that you are working your way out of that. And the same goes for the, the anime. It shows you how hopeless that city, like living in night city is and what the people there are going through in a very unique way. And that's probably one of the reasons why I respect the game so much considering it had such a bad launch is because the story is so fucking good in that game. They built a very, very good world with a lot of interesting like characters in it. So it's definitely worth it. Sorry, sorry to like go back on Cyberpunk and talk about it, but God, that game is really good. No, it's it's shockingly relevant to talking about the darkness because in regards to like the the gritty real narrative beats, the two games actually kind of do share that. So that was a fun little coincidence, I guess, given how everything we've talked about's come together so far. Yeah, it, al- it also anyway. is like a, a thing where it's like good stories are good stories, you know. So like yeah. sometimes a good story um is worth kind of like the the nitpicky presentation stuff you know you you can't have everything and i'll I'll take a really good well-told story over a game that's got like a flawless presentation and sometimes you get both because you know god of war exists yeah for for sure for sure so going back to the darkness you know so that happens right and then the game kind of swerves you and you get this kind of twist because you're thinking, well, what's going to happen? Jackie's, you know, well, just killed himself. And then you end up in the, like the, like the darkness realm or whatever it is. Oh man. Yeah. Those places are fucking cool. And that's some borderline HR Geiger, weird, surreal, creepy shit. All the enemies in the darkness realm are like these weird monstrous lo- looking like world war one German soldiers or something. And like, there's all the weird monsters and like, you can find the representations of like the four horsemen. Like I remember distinctly finding the one, I think that was famine. And there's like this weird, just emaciated fly ridden horse. That's just in this area. I just found it off the beaten path. And it's just like, it's weird. It's gross. It's surreal. And for me, at least, cause I never played a lot of horror games. That really wasn't my thing. Not cause I'm scared of them, but just because the gameplay is for, of them was never my thing. So to really experience that kind of like weird, grotesque visuals for the first time, or at least for me, was a, a whole new experience. And that was the part, those were the parts of the game that I was completely enthralled by. Yeah, the the World War One scenes, oh man, they're just, they're so memorable and it's hard to explain. So they were based on an artist's paintings. And I can't remember the name. I was actually trying to... to google it right now so there's an art artist at this very surreal like war paintings and they took the inspiration directly from that artist and essentially inter- like injected it into the game which is why it seems so surreal because they literally took a painting and like put it in a video game which is mind-blowing to me the fact that they could design an entire not only like an entire level but like an entire portion of the game because you go back there several times uh, around just like th- those visuals 
is so cool. And I can't even explain what they look like. Like even you trying to, it doesn't do the game justice. Like go play the game or check it out on YouTube. Because when you play that, like the world war one sections, they're just something so unique that you'll never see in any other game ever. And just, it's so good. And you know, going off of this, those moments were so good that it almost made the you're back in the real world city stuff fall flat. And in general, it made the narrative kind of fall flat because I remember at least one or two other times the same thing happens. Like Jackie doesn't kill himself, but like he gets blown up or he gets shot or whatever. And then it's you're back in the darkness realm for some cool shit (laughs) and then you're back out. And that's when the narrative gets weak to me is it's almost just like, oh, look. You died again. Now for the fun level. It is definitely more jarring. It's because it plays it plays so differently from the main game. I don't think there is a... It, it, a lot of the times if something like this happens, I'm like, oh, there's a better way that this could have been done. It's kind of like when you when you watch a movie and you're like, oh, this could have this scene could have been edited better or that you have you can critique it. Yeah, exactly. Thinking back on the darkness, I don't think there's a better way that they could have done it when, when trying to tell the story. With that being said, it doesn't lend itself well to a like cohesive gameplay experience because yeah, you while in both scenarios you're just pretty much going around mowing people down, the environments being so different makes it feel like almost an entirely different game when you're in the world war one scenarios versus like doing like mob hits. But I will say, you know, despite the fact that tail end of the narrative, when it gets a little, I don't want to say lame, cause that is a good story all the way throughout, but I guess it gets a bit more predictable with the whole structure of like mess around in the real world. Some more Jackie gets killed back to the darkness realm, get your way out. You know, that happens like what one or two more times, I think over the course of the game after the initial surprise one, yeah, I want to say it happens three three more times after the initial. But I, I could be wrong about that, but you do go back there quite a few times. But I will say the ending of the game. Oh, yeah. When the eclipse happens. Holy fuck. That is how you make the player feel like an absolute badass. Yeah. When you say the word finale for something like this is the type of shit i'm talking about you definitely feel when you're going into the last like mission of the game this is it like this is gonna be all out fucking war and you go in fucking guns blazing but it's not like you think you just go and just like start shooting people up you literally have to use all your powers through that entire last like last level or else you're gonna get rocked like you feel like a badass, but they make you, they make you be a badass. Like all the challenges they set up in that last run, essentially forces you to use every single darkness power at your disposal. So you're throwing powers around like fucking crazy. There's black holes. You're using your fucking, like your arm to like impale people. It's so nuts. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, the eclipse that happens, it gets teased throughout the whole game. Like news reports will frequently mention an upcoming eclipse of the sun, yeah, or the moon, or whatever it was. So if you're paying attention, you know it's coming. And if you hear it, you're probably wondering, what's that going to mean for my darkness powers, since there's no light in the world? Yeah. And 
it finally happens, you know, right at the moment where you need that power up right at the end of the game when you're trying to one man army and it does. And it's just, it's phenomenal. It's like you said, when you think of a finale, that's what you think of done extra sweet by the fact that throughout the game, the little breadcrumbs and the news reports and all of that about the eclipse coming happen. And it's just, it doesn't feel like it comes out of nowhere or it's like a deus ex machina or whatever. It, it just, it happens and it, it makes sense. It's not like you're like, Oh, like, whoop, ass pull power up ending. <laughs> like, no, like if you were paying attention, like this was happening. It's a good buildup. Like it, it pretty much kind of rewards the player in some respect for paying attention to the things going on in the world that they've, they've built, which I really like. I like any time a game does that. Anytime the game makes the player feel smarter for paying attention. I, Oh man, that, that's like, genuine thumbs up from me and the fact that they they do it pretty much just all teasing at the finale of the game is even better because it's like you when you're playing the game you necessarily don't know exactly how this is going to go down and then you're like oh shit the second like the eclipse hits and you know what you have to do and it's like yeah it's fucking on let's do this it gets you pumped man i'm all i'm all nostalgic now thinking about the game story <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't, man, it's such a ride you know what's funny though um as much as i remember the finale for that i also remember the finale because i beat this entire fucking game on hard mode and then it gypped me on the achievement <laughs> like i oh man the whole game went through the whole game on hard and i got to the end fucking wrecked it and i was like where did my achievement pop and then come to find out there's a glitch that like sometimes for some you know reason, i was no, just gonna say i was just gonna say i remember hearing that that was a known bug yep Yep, it definitely was a known bug, and I refused to play the game again on hard after that. I just never did. But it, I like, it didn't detract the like from the game. I still think the game's awesome. Like years later, because I, I bought this game back when it came out in two thousand seven, and then uh, I want to say it was like four or five years ago. I was getting nostalgic, nostalgic for it, and I went and bought a, a physical copy of it again, and I, it, fucking worth every penny because the game's like five dollars on eBay. <laughs> And so we've touched on pretty much everything, I think, aside from the actual gameplay itself by this point, no? I'm looking through my notes, and it seems like we've gone through most of it. Yeah. Uh, did story. We went world graphics. Um, oh, yeah. So we can do gameplay, but we are definitely starting off on the fucking powers. Because, like, all the powers are so fucking good. So I think because the powers are easily the star of the show, I mean... Just come right out and say it. The actual gunplay is, have you played in a uh, mid-2000s FPS? Congratulations, you've shot a gun <laughs> in the darkness. No, I, <laughs> like, I say it's worse than that. Because like, for some reason, the um, this game, if when you play it, you'll think you'll know how it handles because it's a first-person shooter. But until you have the controller in your hand, I cannot tell you how bad the shooting feels. There is a reason that this game has an insane auto-aim system. It's almost like, um, imagine if you were playing Red Dead Redemption, but you didn't have to hit the left trigger to lock on the things. Like, it just kind of floats to whatever enemy you're looking at. It's, it's like a super fucking, it's like a super pull auto-aim system. So if you're even close to looking at an enemy, it'll actually like jerk your weapon in, in reticle over to him and you just crank the trigger. But with that being said, there's a very good reason for it. This game has the most insane amount of um, 
uh, like look acceleration that you'll see. So if you just tap the trigger, it goes super slow. But if you hold it for more than two seconds, no matter what your uh, sensitivity is at, you'll pretty much be like flying around in circles. It's insane. It, I can't explain it. Like I cannot tell you how bad it is unless you actually play the game. Then you'll understand. No, I mean, yeah, you would you would know more about that since you actually had a chance to play it before we did this. Yeah. Um, I'm still running off of how this game was in like 2007. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I also will say this too: if you're playing it on original Xbox 360 hardware, uh, it's worse because of the um, the 30 frame per second cap, and the game doesn't always run at 30 frames per second, but for the most part, it does. But playing any first person shooter in 30 frames per second is kind of difficult to begin with. Uh, but this combine that with the bad look acceleration and you have like the worst feeling aiming controls ever but if you play on the series x it has a 60 frames per second cap so the game feels a lot smoother and it does make it a little bit easier to aim so if you're gonna play this game i'd recommend like playing it on like a, a series x or a series s uh yeah because you can buy it digitally on series s so one of those two so that way you at least get the better frame rate for it otherwise like it, the controls feel like mush but yeah that, that's all i really have to say about the gunplay and aiming it's it, it's bad it's really bad it, it sucks that it's linked to such a game with such a good fucking story too so with all that being said i can tell you're very excited so go ahead and just gush about the powers oh okay so at first oh, i'm trying to think what powers they give you first um i know you get the uh the crawly the crawly tendril thing and being able to summon a darkling yeah those are the two things you get right off the bat so well first we also have to explain how the darkness power like you actually use them because you don't just like go willy-nilly fucking throwing around little minions that eat people and in giant darkness tentacles they only work if you're in the darkness so the darkness is not just the title of the game it literally uh, has everything to do with how you regain life how you attack how you use your powers darkness is all of that so in order to use your powers you gotta make sure that you're in a dark room meaning you have to shoot out lights um you can use um, the tentacle to whack lights to, to take them out but that's rule number one after that, if you're using your powers, the first power they give you is essentially a stealth mechanic for a majority of the game. So if you're like going into a room where like shit's a little bit wacky and there's quite a few enemies, uh, you essentially send like this little tendril out that is kind of like guiding um, a snake along the ground. And then you can stealth kill enemies and just like take them out in one hit, which is a really fucking fun power to use. And you also get a minion summon, which you you summon like this little fucking demon guy, which sounds cool to begin with. But then link that with the fact that the demon can actually like fucking talk to you and says like funny ass shit all the time. And it's like, ah, it's so good. <laughs> and I believe the voice of the Darklings is uh, Richard Stephen Horvitz, uh, who I know was like Zim in Invader Zim <laughs> for anyone who's like a 90s cartoon baby i did not know that but that makes it so much better <laughs> there was a actually a surprising good amount of voice acting talent sorry to tangent away from it but you know he was the voice of the darklings uh, i think also the voice of the darkness itself is like uh what's his name the the singer in uh 
Oh my god, that band. I'm drawing a blank. Faith No More, I think. Yeah. Which I don't know how his like throat still works. Because the way the darkness talks in this game is so distorted to a degree, but it's just really deep and like gravelly. Uh, it, oh man, look it up on YouTube if you're curious about it. There's plenty of uh, of clips of the darkness talking. It's just the most fucking demonic voice you can possibly think of. And I don't know how it came out of a fucking human. <laughs> no kidding. All right, but yeah, so sorry to tangent off of that. Go ahead. So those are the first two powers you get. Those are pretty fun. Anytime you can stealth kill with like a giant fucking demon tentacle is pretty sweet. But then they give you uh, this like power to essentially impale people with a fucking like a giant like tendril kind of. And you kind of just like fucking go and just rail it through their chest and then throw them away like a ragdoll. And yes, this game has fucking ragdoll physics and they are as wonderful as they sound. They make for some of the most hilarious goddamn moments in this game. Like, whether it be, like, an enemy rolling over a dumpster, um, you can also use the tentacle to, like, throw a fucking car at people. Like, there's so much crazy shit you can do with that power that it's mind-blowing. So then there's the tentacle, and then after that, you get the the end-all, be-all black hole, which is just as cool as it sounds. You pretty much summon a giant black hole, and it sucks all the enemies and stuff inside. And you would think it would be weird and stupid, but it's actually awesome because one, the physics for the black hole work, which I didn't think they would. The first time somebody told me there's going to be a black hole that sucks in enemies. I, the first thing I thought of was like really janky N64 games that try to use gravity wells and things like that. No, the, the, it actually like sucks in enemies. And secondly, you get to see the enemies try to like grab onto poles and shit to not get sucked in. And it's fucking great. So those are like the main powers that you get in this game. As long as you're in darkness, you can pretty much use them whenever you want, making you even more of a badass. So you'll be going around dual wielding pistols and then like fucking throwing black holes at people. It's, it's excellent. So there is actually another power up that you forgot about. And I, I can't say I blame you because it's kind of generic compared to the other three. But it's, I think it's the third one you get. Remember, you get the guns, the darkness guns. Yeah, I remember the darkness guns. The, I, so I kind of purposely left them out because, one, they're not very fun. But I will admit... It doesn't really feel like a power-up. It doesn't feel like a power-up, but they are useful because this game is wicked stingy when it comes to fucking ammo. Like they, it, it, There are a lot of times in this game where you're going to have to resort to those guns to get through certain areas because enemies just aren't dropping enough weaponry for you. Well, because they went for the, from what I'm recalling, they went for a realistic approach. Like enemies aren't walking around with like, a, like an assault rifle and a big old box of ammunition for it. When you shoot a guy and you kill him and you take his pistol, you're getting his pistol with whatever was left in it. Yeah, you're not pulling up like magazines of ammo. You're literally just getting what was like left over from what like they didn't shoot essentially. And like that's actually how it even works in gameplay, because literally Jackie just pulls out the weapons that he has like out of his coat. Yeah, and it's just like he fires it off, clip empty. He throws the gun away. You don't reload a clip. He just pulls out another fucking gun, and it will be like a different <laughs> gun model. Because yeah. it's based on whatever you've picked up off of enemies, which is pretty interesting. Like, looking back on it. It's definitely a cool gameplay mechanic, and 
I understand why they did it because honestly, if you were able to use all these darkness powers plus like unload left, right, and center with all the guns, um, the game would definitely be a lot easier than the the developers intended. Um, and the darkness powers give you a lot of like versatility when it comes to dispatching enemies. So the I think one of the main reasons why they give you the the tentacle that you can kind of go around and um like stealth kill enemies is because there's a lot of places where if you just like pop out guns blazing, they will kill you right away. And between the limited ammo, possibly the amount of light in the area and a few other, you know, variables, you, you really do have to go into a lot of encounters preparing to get shot a lot and kind of work around that. So like, if you know, there's like five or six guys in a room, you might need to stealth kill one of them use your tentacle on another, maybe dispatch one or two enemies with your guns before you're out of ammo. Uh, and then kind of like scramble to pick up their stuff to finish off the last guy. It's very much kind of like, a I don't want to say it's trial and error in some areas, but some areas it definitely is like, if you don't anticipate there being like five or six guys in the next room and you just walk in, they will light you up and kill you. No, that's, um, that's a good point to bring up. Like kind of thinking about it a bit more. Cause now that I'm, kind of this whole conversation is kind of pulling these memories out of my head and yeah you really do want to be a little more conservative like using that like the stealth thing when you can to thin out the herd you know using the like the tentacle like impaler power using that not even to just fight off enemies but to even break lights so you're not wasting a bullet to do it the game kind of forces you to use your your to rely on your powers more than a lot of other games do like a lot of other games, the the powers would definitely be like a secondary thing, like a fallback. Like your main weapons would be your your pistols and you know your shotguns and your your rifles and all that. This game is kind of the opposite. The game wants you to rely heavily on the the darkness powers, and your guns are kind of more secondary to that. So it's literally probably why we haven't talked about any of the the weaponry in the game. Because outside of the the dual pistols, I don't remember any of the guns. Like I only remember the dual pistols because that's the gun I use the most. It's it's your generic FPS fare, which is another reason why it doesn't get brought up because it's nothing special. You have your assault rifles, your shotgun. I think there were like Uzis that you could dual wield instead of the pistols, but those yeah, and they were very inaccurate. When you think of generic mid two thousand shooter. Gunplay in the darkness is like probably the epitome of it. And like you said, even worse because of the weird slidey auto aiming. Oh yeah. So there's really, there's not much to write home about with the gunplay. So completely understandable why it really feels like the powers are your main driving force because they are, and they're the one thing that make the game stand out like the story. Yeah. That's not to like take away from the fact that like um, the guns, like the, the guns don't suck. Like, I'm not saying that when you're using the guns, you're going to be like, oh, this gun's garbage. With the exception of the the dual machine pistols, I think they're dual. They might be dual Uzis. I distinctly remember those being a pain in the ass because they were so inaccurate that you're almost better using, better off using any other weapon in the game. And you would probably hit your target versus those things. Uh, but besides that, I remember the other weapons feeling pretty, pretty good to use, especially like the shotgun. But yeah, the the darkness powers are definitely what this game wants you to use. And again, I'm going to go back to Darkness 2, where it's the complete opposite. If you ever play Darkness 2, that game loves its different guns. 
and boy is it just not as much fun as this game is it's oh god so fucking disappointing yeah i like to imagine that you know just even hearing all of that second hand throughout the years is the main reason why despite owning the darkness 2 on steam uh, I've never sat and played it, despite how much I loved the first one. Yeah, it doesn't also doesn't work very well on PC because I'm pretty sure I played it on PC. It does have a, a nice like you could do like 144 frames per second, but for some reason there's like weird glitches, uh, and I've never got it to be stable. So it's why I own it on like the 360 versus, and I play it on the 360 versus the the PC. But the other thing that I want to get into is this game is actually only on consoles. There is no pc port for it which is weird because if you play this game it definitely feels like it should be on pc i mean am i wrong no yeah uh that was one of the things i was going to bring up later was just kind of like when it comes down to like you know telling people like should you play it today yeah definitely but also unless you own something in the xbox family since microsoft is very good about backwards compatibility uh, or you still have a PS3 sitting around, you're SOL. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to play it. Yeah, which is it's it's honestly sad because this is going to be one of those games where it's kind of going to be forgotten just because you can't play everywhere else. Like the amount of games that I'll play on PC that I played on the 360 era, just because like I know the PC will have like a, a better port of it, or it'll be higher frame rates or better resolution or whatever. Um, is insane and like I would love to play this game on PC because I can only imagine what like the modding community would do for this game uh, whether it be like enhanced resolutions or like fixing the fucking controls like all the stuff that's kind of janky in this could be fixed if it just had a fucking PC port and I don't know why it, it like it never it never happened it's so strange you know this is me just kind of maybe misremembering that era of gaming but you know, we always talk about, oh, PC gaming, PC gaming, like PC gaming's the best. But back in the mid-2000s, that really wasn't the, I don't want to say the mob mentality. Uh, Yeah, you're definitely right. It was different back then. You know, having the an Xbox 360 was a, a pretty big deal. Like, yeah, there were PCs that existed that were better than that generation of consoles. But again if anyone listening to this wants to call me out on hearsay, go for it. Um, just cause I was a console gamer for most of my life. So PC gaming and its history aren't really known to me, but I find it especially like, I find it very hard pressed to a PC game that had the same level of fidelity and presentation as something like ratchet and clank on PS3. You're right. For some reason, PC games back then had this, um, uh, it, I call it like it's not really a feel but it's a feel like if I think of PC games in the late 2000s the only games that really come to mind that like stood out as PC games are Crisis, the Fear games because the Fear games to, to me always were PC games and like Battlefield like those are the only games that really come to mind um, and every time a game got a port from 362 PC, because back then that was usually how it worked. It was very rare that a PC game came out and had a 360 port. Usually the the yeah. games were designed on the consoles and ported to PCs. The PC ports were almost always broken. I mean, even look at... Um, yep. Uh, so, for example, I've been playing Dead Space on PC 
for like the past like couple weeks just to to catch up before the game gets like the remake gets released and as i was playing that the amount of glitches i got in that game are insane insane you need a, a mod to get your uh, keyboard and mouse to work properly because your mouse like the mouse acceleration is so weird that when you go to move your mouse instead of it being like a one-to-one movement it slows down to start and then speeds up at the end so it's almost impossible to aim because it just feels so weird and then on top of that the physics if you go above 30 frames per second with v-sync break like they just straight up break. Like I loaded into one of the levels wow. and there are supposed to be um, body bags on the ground that are supposed to be static, just laying across the ground, but have physics attached to them. And they were bouncing all over the fucking place. Like there was no gravity. Like they were just ricocheting off walls. And I'm like, how is this still a thing? Like did this, they just released this. They must have just released Dead Space on PC and never patched it. And think about if somebody did that now, the community would fucking rip their head off. Yeah. No, 100%. A different, completely different era. Yeah, it, it bums me out that we're never going to get like a PC port of this of any kind. Because I honestly think it would fix so many of like the stupid issues I have with this game. Like, I, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned most of the issues I have. Oh, well, actually, there's one more thing I want to say that I am not a fan of when it comes to this game. Um, and that's the enemy AI. The enemy artificial intelligence is dumb as a fucking rock. And I mean, like, walk into a wall sometimes dumb. <laughs> so don't expect, like, uh, I, I wouldn't even expect, like, fear two levels of AI. It's nowhere near that. The, the enemy AI just knows how to stop in a position and try to shoot at you. So just be aware. You're not going to get any, like crazy like outmaneuvering enemies going into this <laughs> i don't want anybody to think that they're going to get like like i said like fear level ai that's not the case when it comes to the darkness no yeah exactly um i you know like i said i was only just watching videos i've said it countless times repeating myself <laughs> but yeah i remember just the little bits i was watching the enemies were very uh they existed you know <laughs> They exa- they existed to shoot at you and be shot by you, and that was it. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of funny. But again, I bet you 20 bucks that if um, this was released on PC, somebody would be like, huh, I bet you I could do a little bit of AI tweaking. I'm going through the, you know, the, the list of questions that we would normally have on this, but this is a really good one that I didn't ask the with the last games. Do you think that if this game had a remake that people would play it wow that's a good one. Oh, uh, fuck yeah i mean it's obviously not as relevant as it was when it first came out because again comics the the comic was was more relevant back then and you know the games like this had more of a chance of surviving that's the way i saw it it was a very kind of like creative era whereas now everything's very iterative where you just get the same thing over and over again same franchises over and over again but I, I was like reading my uh, my little notes list, and I was like, man, if they just tweaked some things and like upgraded the graphics, honestly, a modern version of this would be an amazing game. You cut out the loading screens, you fix the auto aim, make the enemies like 
more realistic and have actual AI with a solid frame rate, I'm like, this game could hold up today, especially with the storyline that it has. It definitely could, uh, especially in a post-Cyberpunk 2077 world, I think. I think the main thing that would really determine if a remake of this game would sink or swim all would come down to when it releases. Yeah. Because this would definitely have the potential to be buried by any moderate release of importance of any kind. Yeah, so you just release it in like February or January when fucking nothing comes out. No, I think, and I, I think, you know, do that. I think especially because it's a remake of the like the first game in the series, I guess. Not only a series out of two games. But it definitely makes it more appealing of a starting off point. And plus, they could do what they do for a lot of these remasters, remakes, where it's like they remake one of the games and then they bundle just like an upscaled version of the sequel that was already kind of modern. Yeah. I could see them easily doing that with this game, giving it, giving the original darkness uh, a higher quality, maybe actual remake because, you know, PC port doesn't exist for it. Yeah. And all of that. And then just, you know, pretty up the darkness to a bit, package them together, sell it for 40 bucks and release it in the right time of year. I, I think it could, I don't think it would be a, uh, you know, it bring home a ton of money, but I think for whoever it is that has the rights to the game or the franchise or whatever the publisher would be, I think it would, they'd at least get a net gain out of it. I'd like to hope. Yeah. I, it's, I want to say this is 2k that published this game. I feel like 2K was probably... I don't remember if they published the second game or this one. But for some reason, I have 2K in my head for the publisher. Um, Maybe the second game had 2K. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach on my shelf. I was going to say, I can pull it up on uh, on Steam. I was right. It, it's, it is 2K. 2K was the publisher of the first one. I'm, I'm semi-shocked by that. Yeah, publisher for the second one, too. Also, Digital Extremes devved the second one. It's yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's it's a weird one. That's a definitely a weird one. I was also thinking though, as I was thinking about like them re-releasing this game, since every fucking game has to have a multiplayer mode. Now, hear me out, and I'm I'm sure like this is gonna sound fucking crazy. How badass would it be if there was a multiplayer mode where one person played as Jackie, and then four other people played as fucking Hitman, and they just had like random like shitty like NPC hitmen to back them up and like one team just had to kill jackie and then jackie just had to like kill the other team or at least like one player on the other team like a hit job how fucking fun would that be or am i just I crazy can definitely see that no i can see that working as a um almost kind of like doom eternals multiplayer yeah it's not something you're gonna buy the game for but you know it's a it's a quirky enough idea that fits the actual gameplay for multiplayer just replace you know instead of being the doom slayer and players are controlling the more elite demons it's just like you said one person controls jackie everyone else is just you know mooks with guns mooks with guns exactly and then uh, i think like having like a a cool like city to kind of play around uh with that i think that would be a, a fun multiplayer mode it'll never happen like we'll never see that but I was just thinking, like, how fun that would be. Because you'd always have that one person that would always want to, like, play as Jackie. But honestly, I think it would be so fun to fucking play as a henchman. Trying to, like, essentially survive against this killing machine with, like, fucking giant demon tentacles coming out, killing everybody. I think it would be fucking great. 
No, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. That's definitely a... Um, didn't even know I would want something like that until you pitched it. But that's definitely an idea that works well. Now I'm just thinking about how fun that shit would be. It'd be like a weird Left 4 Dead spinoff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something simple, throw it on, make it an extra game mode. Perfect. Doesn't have to be great or balanced. Just a little extra thing. Now, if you had to rate this game today, like picking it up, playing it today, what would you give it out of 10? Because I, I was thinking about this pretty much all day today. Because this game has so many good aspects, but also like a lot of a lot of shit that kind of annoys the hell out of me so i'm 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 always weird when it comes to like numerical scores because i've always i've always thought modern reviewing where it's like this game's trash seven out of ten like (laughs) that like what Like, like for me it's like when i think of a bad game i'm thinking like oh that's like a three or a two out of ten yeah you know for me, a five and a five six is an average experience. You know, playing it today, not looking through the lens of what it was for its time period, but looking it through the lens of what it would be today, I, I'd say it'd be a seven. I would give it a seven. Yeah, seven, seven is solid. Like having played a little bit of it today, um, and then like brushed up watching videos about like about the game and seeing some of my favorite parts. I honestly probably would give it, uh, man. I want to give it. I want to give it higher than a seven, but I don't think it's an eight. And I'm not doing decimal points, so I'm gonna have to stick with a seven as well. And honestly, a majority of that, and I'm, I'm not even joking. It's literally two points off just because of the controls. Until you play it, you don't understand how bad it is, but the controls are really, really rough. And then the the other point I would probably take away is because the loading screens are they're just way too long. And I get it's a sign of the times because uh, it was it was during the era where it was like loading was just getting longer. I mean, fucking if you booted up Oblivion at the time, you could go make yep. a goddamn ham sandwich with chips fucking pickle on the side eat it and then it would probably be booted into the game oh because god oblivion even had that issue where the more you played the more bloated the save file would get so it would have to load more and yeah no you're exactly right that's just how it was yeah yeah the more the more physics objects that were in the world that were dropped in misplaced or put in chests or whatnot it uh it like loaded up the for some reason, like there's an issue with the save file just like growing exponentially with with each item dropped in the game, and I don't think it. Was, I'm pretty sure it was never really patched out, so it still kind of does it. It's just not as bad as it was when you when the game first launched. But yeah, the the loading screens in this game are definitely they they definitely cost a point. Everybody's probably saying right now that that's very petty. But until you've played it and you realize that there's a loading screen pretty much every time you go into the subway or every time you go into a house or every time a level boots up or every time you go into almost any new area of any kind, no matter how small or big, they add up very quickly. No, and again, it's sort of that that challenge of you try to rate the game for how it was for its time period. Yeah, you could argue it would be an 8 probably. Yeah. Even if you were to look at it through the lens of when it came out, there's that whole year of games that it shared that didn't have those problems. Exactly. Like even Bioshock, which had the the same open world kind of setup as this does, didn't have the loading screen issue. They had loading screens, but if I remember correctly, each Bioshock loading screen was, I want to say like 10, maybe 15 seconds. 
they weren't anything near as long as, as uh, the darkness loading screens are. Man, sorry, I was just thinking about it. That's why I was quiet. But um, no, yeah, you're exactly right. And then even still, think of a Halo 3 with Forge and how that stuff didn't even take that long to load. And yeah, you know, even I, I still, even going back of it, I think even if you were to look through, give it that benefit of the doubt and look through it as a product of its time, it might actually even still be a 7. Yeah, I mean, th- this game wasn't spectacular because of the sum of its parts. Like, like there were so many good things, but there was also uh, so many issues that kind of detracted from it. It kind of like evens out. It, it's not an excellent game because the cons are so... They make the game so much less fun to play. If it wasn't for the controls being the way they were, that would make the game so much more fun to just pick up and play. It, it, it's literally night and day difference. Like imagine playing Call of Duty with bad controls. <laughs> like how much worse that game would be. Oh, you're so right. Like, it, but... Yeah, Call of Duty has excellent controls. Same thing with Halo. Imagine playing Halo with shitty controls. It's not fun. It's it it literally would ruin the game. The same thing happens here. They just happen to work around it with the auto aim system. Like if they didn't have the auto aim system, you wouldn't be able to hit shit. You wouldn't be able to hit the fucking broadside of a barn in this game. Uh, with how much the the enemies move, fuck that. Again, the storyline's so good and so fucking memorable. And the hub world is so good and so memorable. And the graphics actually hold up really well considering they're like created like a decade and a half ago. Oh, and I didn't even... One thing I will uh, comment on, and I, I don't know how recently you played the game, but if you play this game with headphones on, the sound design is spectacular. Like we talked a little bit about the voice acting and stuff, but the overall sound design in this game, like the 5.1 surround sound is actually really fucking good. Really? No, I mean, yeah, honestly, I am trying to get my hands on an Xbox series X. This would probably one of the first things I revisit. So I'll definitely do it headphones on, you know, and just try to take it in. Yeah. And especially when it comes to um, the, the actual voice of the darkness and stuff, hearing that through headphones is it's insane. It, it literally is like it's coming from your fucking brain. Uh, so I will say the sound design in this game, top notch. Sound design, graphics, story, it has a lot of good stuff. It's just like the, the, the bad stuff that's in it is really, really bad because it directly affects the gameplay. If it didn't directly affect the gameplay, if it was some background shit, if like textures loaded weird at some point or something stupid like that, I would not give a crap but it literally directly affects how I am playing the game. And that's why I'm only rating it a seven. No, really good points all around. And I'm really glad you circled back to touching on the sound design. Cause yeah, that is kind of something we completely spaced on. It's a little, here's the thing. If a game has decent enough sound design, you're never going to comment on it. Cause it's like, Oh, it's good. If it has bad sound design, you'll definitely comment on it. But most really, really good sound design, like sound design has to be really, really good for it to be memorable. For example, like the new Call of Duty, uh, the Modern Warfare 2, the sound design in that game is actually fucking spectacular. Like I would argue their step up in sound design is greater than the the graphical step up in that game. So it, when it's that noticeable, you got to comment on it. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, a lot of the guys I work with got the new Call of Duty, and that's shockingly one of the things they're all really touching on is the sound design and all that, and like, honestly crazy to me. I'd, I'd love to kind of hear it for myself, but 
I'm at a point in my life where I can't justify 60 bucks on Call of Duty anymore. I, I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you and me both, especially knowing that it's probably going to go down to like 40 or 30 bucks in like a week. Yeah. During like Black Friday sales and shit exactly. like that. All right. So uh, yeah, we really, this is only supposed to be an hour long podcast and we're on an hour and 40 plus minutes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, getting dangerously close to that two-hour mark, which is what we were trying to avoid. I know, but there, there's a lot to talk about with this game. Um, and I'm glad we, we got to touch on everything. Yeah, uh, This wasn't... We definitely didn't breeze through this. So if people are, are curious about this game or have never even heard about it before, I think now they they have a good idea of what to expect. And uh, it definitely will, will you know give them an idea of if they're actually going to like this game if they decide to pick it up for five dollars on ebay or four dollars on the xbox store if they have a series x which is definitely going to be me since you told me that before we started recording (laughs) yeah the 60 fps upgrades on a lot of games it it makes it definitely worth it i have a huge um physical library but a lot of the times i'll just buy the games digitally on series x just so i can just like click and go yeah and, and honestly, the game size is so small too. Just downloading the games like takes seconds. Yeah, which is which is crazy to think about. Back in the day, like oh my god, I remember having like kilobyte speed internet trying to download games. Yeah, and, the other day I downloaded uh, Splinter Cell Conviction, and it took me seven minutes. <laughs> so I was like, okay, <laughs> this is life now. God bless twenty twenty two. Exactly. So yeah, we're gonna close this up. Uh, is there? Anything you want to tell the listeners or um, anything like any place they can find you, uh, whether it be social media or whatnot? For a while, I've really been wanting to get back into trying to stream, like kind of like how we used to a few years ago. Yeah. But until I really get that all kind of set up again, that's kind of a wash. Um, no, hopefully, you know, on a future episode of this we record, I'll have that stuff all set up by then. Uh, but otherwise, no, I'll spend my time, uh, I guess, support Dave. He's been wanting to do this kind of shit for a long time since at least we've been working together. So, yeah, support the hell out of him. Don't support me. I'm just a dude. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, I really appreciate that. Thanks. And yeah, you're. this won't be your last podcast for sure. So I'm sure in the future you're going to be back on and be able to tell us what you're doing. Um, and as for me, I'm going to plug the Patreon, which is finally up. Uh, I have two tiers currently. I'm going to be adding a third one soon. Um, mostly it's just like access to a community discord where you can talk to me and other, other listeners of the show. You can ask me questions. Uh, if you do the $5 tier, um, you can actually recommend a game for us to cover in the show. Uh, I don't know how long the turnaround time is going to be for that. If you do recommend a game, but note that it will get added to the list of games that we have that we can cover. Um, so yeah, if you want to support me there, uh, patreon.com slash extraordinary games on top of that you can find me on facebook twitter same thing extraordinary games and you know keep listening recommend it to your your friends i'm on spotify uh, amazon any place that they have podcasts it's there and if you could do me a huge favor and just rate the show that would be awesome as well and i think that's really all i have to say um this was a, a really fun, fun talk. And I honestly didn't think I was going to have this much to say about the darkness, but <laughs> this game was really, really cool. And it came out and I'm glad I got to talk about it. No. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, like out of a lot of the games on the list, this was definitely one of the ones I was like, Ooh, okay. Like there's a good pick. 
because <laughs> a, a lot of the stuff I could really gush about, especially recently with like what I enjoy for gaming is like from software stuff and like Final Fantasy 14 and like maybe one or two more indie-ish titles like Risk of Rain 2. So I actually really like Risk of Rain 2. I'll probably will add that to the list soon. I've been playing it an insane amount on my Switch recently. <laughs> oh, we'll have to get some rounds in. I've got it on PC. But no, yeah. Um, I mean, this was definitely kind of one of the more niche things. Um, that I, That's a game I played that I really liked. Uh, I have to say, just kind of going through the list, the, another game that kind of falls into this category of a more niche game, Legend of Dragoon. Ooh, highly, I, I love me some Legend of Dragoon. Highly looking forward to when that can get discussed because, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of long-form YouTube content about it recently. It seems like there's been a resurgence in remembering that game. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to something a little more obscure, kind of like the like how the darkness was for the Xbox. I feel like Legend of Dragoon is that for the PlayStation, especially J- JRPGs as a whole. So, yeah, no, talking about a more not not as known game like uh, the darkness today was like super fun. Uh, definitely more interesting for me to gush about something that's a little bit obscure get people excited for something that they don't even know about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm totally down to talk about Legend of Dragoon. Um, I think I've played through that game. Well, I haven't played through it any time recently, but back when I was in my like PlayStation heyday and in, in, deep into RPGs, I probably played that game three or four times through, um, whether it be by myself or, or with like a friend. So yeah, I have really, really fond memories of that game and I still play it to this day. Like, so I like I'll boot it up on occasion on my PlayStation three and just like play like an hour or two of it and just gush over how good the combat system is in that game for a turn-based RPG. And I really appreciate the backgrounds and the character models. That. So we're definitely going to talk about that soon. Hell yeah, man. That'll be a good one. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'm going to end it here. Thank you all for listening. Uh, hope to have you come back for the next episode which i still don't know what it's going to be but yeah thanks for listening make sure you rate the show give me any feedback that you got if you support me on patreon you can literally just leave messages and dm me there and i hope to see you next time so have a good one folks Mm -hmm.